Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. In this episode of Being Boss, join Kathleen and me while we talk about my first year of business at Almanac Supply Company. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. I know that we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and side hustlers listening to the show. So if you're sitting there thinking about becoming your own boss, there is a good chance that your idea of how challenging it will be won't exactly match up with the reality of how challenging it's actually going to be. Now, this is not an attempt to talk you out of it. In fact, it is the exact opposite because there is so much amazing help available. You've just got to know where to look. So our friends at FreshBooks make it ridiculously easy to do cloud accounting for small businesses, and they have helped millions of folks just like you make the brave leap to being their own bosses. With FreshBooks, you can create and send perfect-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can also take photos of your receipts from your phone, which makes managing your expenses a million times easier. Now, to see how FreshBooks can support you in becoming your own boss, we want to offer our listeners an unrestricted 30-day free trial. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Emily, you have been in business for a million years. I like to say you were born an entrepreneur, but... Almanac Supply Co., your new business is coming up on one year. That it is. And what a very big year it has been. I'm excited to talk about it. All right. So let's give new listeners and our old listeners a quick recap of like your entrepreneurial journey and you starting Almanac and what Almanac is. Right. So as Kathleen said, I was born in <laughs> was 1986, uh, an entrepreneur. That's where it began. Um, no, so my first business was in college. I was 18. I ran a tanning salon. I was able to buy it and run it for about two and a half years. And then I sold it. So I sold my first business at about the age of 20. And then I uh, finished school and did a couple of college jobs. So I worked at a bank for a while. I worked um, at like a home goods retor- retail store, not like home goods, that store, but the kind of store that sold home goods. And, um, Then whenever I graduated college, I had the choice of either going and becoming um, a GIS technician. So that was basically taking paper maps and digitizing them because my degree was in geography. Which kind of sounds like a dream at this point. Are you ever like, I should have done that? (laughs) There have been a couple of times. There have been a couple of times where that sounds more appealing than it did at that point in my life. But I went into geography because I wanted to be a park ranger. Like I wanted to, I wanted to go frolic in Yellowstone. I didn't want to sit in a cubicle. So whenever I got to the end of it, and that was really what my next step looked like, um, I was very disillusioned and I did not want to do that. But I also had, um, my daughter, Lily, and I wanted to stay home with her because David was going to go continue his education with a master. So we weren't going to go frolic in Yellowstone. Um, real world was I was either going to get a job and put my kid into daycare or I was going to um, figure out a way to work from home. So while I was finishing up college, I had discovered Etsy and I was I had opened up a shop on Etsy where I was making and selling jewelry. But I wasn't just operating on Etsy. I was also doing lots of local markets. I was doing um I was even doing like parties for people that I had people ask me to come and set up at I had one woman ask me to come do a party for all of her teacher friends so I went and set up in in, like the faculty conference room at the school once and sold a shit ton of jewelry to some teachers at a school um so I was both like in real world and I had some wholesale accounts and those sorts of things but also online on Etsy so whenever I graduated, I was already, I'd already like gotten into this online business world. I was super excited about it. Um, I had 
even recently moved from Etsy into my own website. I designed and developed my own website. And about the time that I graduated, I had people asking me to do websites for them too. So some of my creative friends that I had met on Etsy wanted their own websites as well. So within a month of graduating college, I sold my first website project. And then I sold my second and then my third and then my fourth. And within about three months, I had a full a full client roster and a web design business that just sort of happened out of nowhere. Um, and I was making so much more money doing that than I was jewelry and definitely than I would have been as a GIS technician digitizing maps. And I did that for eight, 10 years or so. So that was Indie Shopography, which is the business that I was running whenever I started this podcast with you. Yep. And that's how we became friends is through Indie Shopography. And I don't know, we were just kind of like online buddies reading each other's blogs and we started hiring each other and sharing clients and all the things. And we've shared this story. But what's really cool is that then you started Almanac Supply Company about a year ago. And it really is a full circle moment where you're going back to product, you're going back to retail, you're making things with your hands. And it kind of throws you back in square one, but from a whole new perspective with so much more experience and know-how and resourcefulness and tools under your belt. So I want to talk today about that business and what you've learned starting a new business with this kind of new perspective. Let's do it because... I thought I had learned everything that I was going to learn from like this level of business, but oh boy, was I wrong. So, um, so I think the first thing that really hit home for me very early and is actually the reason why we ended up creating the Making a Business podcast is the fact that fraudy feelings come up for anyone at any time, no matter when and where they are in business. I mean, for me, I feel that the more success, and I kind of put that in air quotes, because what even is it? This is probably what I've learned along the way, is that success is a bar that is constantly moving, and you never feel like you've reached it. But that success, the more I get of it, the more I have to sustain it, and then the more scared I get, almost. Like, I have more fraudy feelings in trying to sustain it than I am in trying to reach it. So, okay, but before we move into that and how you're dealing with your fraudy feelings. Can you explain real quick what Almanac Supply Company is? Oh, for sure. Good thought, Kathleen. (laughs) Um, Right, so Almanac... This is my job. (laughs) Let's rewind. Almanac Supply Company is a product business that I started at the very beginning of 2018, where it's maker and retail. And we're curating goods that help people live more aligned with the seasons. So this even, even... it brings in like product and retail and all of the things, but it also really brings in my geography background as well. This idea of what does it mean to live where you are and in accordance with the seasons. And so we're making some products and that includes our candles. Um, we're also designing some things like um, some t-shirts and um, our crystal grid kits. And then we're also sourcing things as well. And these are crystals or gardening kits um, or, you know, smudge sticks and abalone shells and all kinds of um, really sort of home goods. <laughs> we want to bring that back full circle as well that help people that help people tune in to when and where they are and live more mindful and intentional lives. Okay, so coming back to fraudy feelings, whenever you first told me that you were having some fraudy feelings, and we've had business bestie conversations off the podcast along the way where you've shared this, I was kind of shocked because, one, I just see you as being a really confident person who can just take life and work by the horns and own it, right? So where did these fraudy feelings come from? Deep in my gut. (laughs) Real deep in my gut. Agreed. It was just as surprising to me, I think, as it was to you and maybe, you know, people who are even listening to this, but they pretty much started immediately. Like as soon as I decided that I wanted to do this, I was hit with all of the fraudy feelings we all, you know, hear um, our like inner critics say around, you know, who am I to do this? Like, 
Do I have enough experience? Uh, there are so many other people doing similar things. Like all of those, all of those feelings that come up out of nowhere. And I definitely think that for a long time I had even taken it for granted um, what these things felt like. Even like here on the podcast, hearing people say, I'm feeling fraudy feelings. I was like, should get to get over that <laughs> or whatever it may be, but it's really not that easy. So, um, so it came immediately in all of the usual places. And, you know, it reminded me that fraudy feelings are the kinds of things that you, that require constant vigilance in order to keep at bay. And I think I had become so quote unquote comfortable in, you know, indie chefography and being boss where I was the boss of those. I had proven myself. We were doing the thing. I could show up and do hard things because I had all this proof that I could show up and do hard things. But in this new thing, I didn't have the kind of proof that related itself directly to the new thing. So they all crept back in. Yeah, I think that it's really okay. So I, whenever I was younger, I did not have fraudy feelings ever. And I think it's because I was approaching life as a beginner. And even through college, like I'm still just figuring this out. I'm still learning as I go. But we are, you know, a decade into this thing, we are very much experts in what we do as far as online business and branding and that side of things goes. So it's weird to have this expertise mindset and all that confidence there. And then all of a sudden get thrown into the position of a beginner. It's almost hard to embrace that beginner mindset of, okay, I'm going to learn this and I'm starting fresh. It's all good. So do you feel like though once you were in it, some of those fraudy feelings dissolved just by getting in there and doing the work or are you still coming up against them and how do you deal with it? I'm still coming up against them, honestly. Not so much now. And it's definitely something where it's funny I've had to go back and reread chapter one of the Being Boss book a couple of times. <laughs> or actually, I guess it's chapter two, the mindset chapter. Like, I, I've had to go back and read that shit a time or two um, and just remind myself that I can do this. I can do hard things. Like, doing something new doesn't mean that you can't do it. Um, all of these things. Um, so they're still there. I definitely have some, you know, habits and routines in place that help me chug along in spite of them. Like I can wake up one morning and, you know, think, oh, I'm doing this new thing today. I don't think I can do it or who am I to do it or whatever it may be and be like, well, whatever. I still have a to-do list and I better go start checking it off. Amen. And I think that this is where having that organization side of your business and those habits and routines and those systems and processes in place, it allows you to have the feelings that you're going to have. And that's fine. You should have those feelings and work through them. Like no one starts a business thinking, oh, this is going to be the easiest thing I ever do. And the, the, battle is the process. The fraudy feelings are a part of the process. And it's just all, it all takes work, right? Um, but then you can just rely on your to-do list and checking off the boxes regardless of how you feel. Absolutely. You're just going to show up and do the work regardless of what fraudy feelings are showing up for you. And then you get stuff out the door. It's shipped. You're getting feedback. People are saying, oh my gosh, I love this candle. This crystal is so awesome. And then you're starting to get into this feedback loop where you're starting to develop the proof and it's coming in and your identity is becoming that of this shop owner. So that's another thing I want to talk about too is identity. I think that that is a big role into fraudy feelings. And as you're forming your identity, probably even as you're forming your frontal cortex before the age of 25, I think it's... I think it's, you know, you can still be anything or do anything. I don't know about you, but I feel like the older I get, and I'm still young, but, you know, in my late 30s now at this point, I'm starting to feel like my identity is becoming a little bit more fixed. And if I'm approaching something new that doesn't fit this identity that I've already formed for myself, I feel a little fraudy or unsure or uncertain or, you know, all the all the bad feelings. Yeah, I've definitely had lots of thoughts around how I would feel if I were starting this business 10 years ago or even five years ago, because I think it would be really different. I think a lot of my feelings have to do with my age, which really makes me even have that much more compassion for bosses out there who are, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old, who are, you know, changing what they're doing and doing the thing and facing their fraudy feelings. Like, 
my hat goes way off to you guys for sure because I think think something does happen, especially when you cross that like 30 threshold where you are who you are and changing it is that much harder. You have to prove it that much harder to yourself. Um, It makes me want to like look into that a little more just to like really uncover what's happening there. But mostly I just want to conquer it within myself. (laughs) (laughs) I also have these like when-then statements that go through my head. Like when I'm 60 years old, that's when I'm really going to become an artist, like a capital A painter artist. Or that's when I'm going to write my memoir. Or that's when all these things are going to happen. So there's another thing that happens on the other side of age where it's like, oh, well, once I have a little more experience under my belt or when certain things are in place, that's when I'll do this thing. Right. But no, (laughs) I'm going to do it now. (laughs) Apparently. Do it now. (laughs) Okay, so you've hit some bumps in the road from finding just the right candle containers Ew. to your <laughs> right like who knew how much drama could be around sourcing a candle container who who'd have thunk it i would have probably <laughs> rethought my first product if i knew it was going to be that hard but yes um but then like some bigger upsets kind of happen like your business partner your original business partner unexpectedly quitting and so i'm curious to hear what you learned from these bumps AKA failures, <laughs> right? They're, well, some of those aren't failures. They are bumps, but you could take them personal. Yes. And see them as failures, probably. You could. And, and I will admit that I did. <laughs> I did for some period of time on both accounts where, you know, whether it was those containers, which I actually am very happy to say at the moment, I think we have solved the problem, though I'm also going to knock on some wood. Um, <laughs> But then, yes, my business partner also very unexpectedly quit, um, which was, you know, completely blindsided me. I was not expecting it, which is what unexpected means. Um, And it hit me pretty hard because she was also a friend of mine. And I I thought that we had some better open communication than that. Um, But it also taught me, actually, all of these things have taught me a lot. And whether that is, you know, consistently battling brand new fraudy feelings or fraudy feelings that had pretty much quieted themselves to just come roaring back. Or um, or if it was something like sourcing, which seems very practical or something as like very feeling deep as having um, as having my business partner quit, um, I learned a ton of lessons. And that's been one of the ways that I've had to really overcome each of these things is remember that the lessons are all part of the process um, and that every failure or bad thing or bump definitely has lessons in it that will take you into the next steps. And gladly, I have enough business experience that I've had a significant amount of failures. And I definitely can look back on all of those now and see those lessons, even if I can't always see them in the moment. So I have learned a couple of big ones, one of which is that entrepreneurship is not for everyone. (laughs) I think for a really long time, I saw entrepreneurship as the solution to everyone's problem if they didn't like their job or if they wanted to try something new or if they couldn't find a job or whatever it was. My immediate reaction was always, well, you should work for yourself. Um, But I don't think that this kind of work is made for everyone. And I think that that was a mindset shift that I absolutely needed to make. And I think even for the sake of being boss um, and who it is that we're talking to and how it is that we're talking to them, I always imagine that anyone could come into this space um, and, you know, start their own business. Um, But I realize now that it is not a solution for everyone. And I also think it helps me shift my mindset around how it is that we hire a team. Um, I've always struggled with this idea of why would someone work for me when they could work for themselves. Um, But I think that not everyone can work for themselves. And so they need someone like us or me to, to help them work. Um, So that was a big mindset shift that I absolutely needed to make. And I made, it happened. What else did you learn? Um, I also learned that the skill of research is an underappreciated and completely valid and imperative skill, especially when it comes to sourcing. Well, so I think that this is a core genius that you have that might be uncovered through this process and or maybe just more articulated through this process because you designed and developed your own website to sell your jewelry on. Like, I don't know. My husband is an engineer, and the thing that he says all the time is that it's not necessarily that he's smarter than 
everybody else, which he kind of is, but it's just your ability to Google and follow instructions. Yeah. I, it is and an like underappreciated kind of and imperative <laughs> skill. <laughs> and I think that you have the mind of an engineer where you're able to do that. Like you're able to develop websites and you're able to source things and do some math and figure it out. And that's absolutely a skill. Yeah, it is. And so I think for anyone, you know, who's listening to this, I definitely have done all the things that I've done, not because I have any formal education. I have a geography degree, guys. Um, It's been because I know how to sit down at a computer or with a book and find the information I need and then act on it. And so that has definitely really come to light throughout this process. I think probably half of my work over the past year has really just been Googling. <laughs> it's been researching and researching and researching all kinds of things. And whether that's, you know, sourcing products or how it is that we, you know, make the best candles or how it is that we are going to, you know, position ourselves differently. Um, all of that stuff has been done by me taking the time to open up Google and get really particular about what it is that I'm looking for. And then, you know, accessing and retaining the information as needed. Because I think there's just as much skill that goes goes through sifting information as it does um, finding information, is knowing what pieces of the information to keep or not. So that has been a skill of mine that I've definitely shown a light on over the past year and is something that I really encourage everyone to practice. It sounds like almost silly, but research. I think all of us really only very surface use the internet. Like we have the four sites that we go to regularly. One of them is probably Facebook. One of them is probably Instagram. And then there you go. You get two more. Um, and that's almost a disservice to what the internet is, like what all is available to us. I've seen all kinds of memes about this idea that we have more, more, you know, computing power and knowledge in the palm of our hand then, I mean, we basically have the human compendium of knowledge in the palm of our hand and we use it to look at cat videos. So just think about researching I mean, some shit. <laughs> cat videos are valid, though. If I feel like I didn't even know what a meme was until last month. I still kind of don't understand it. <laughs> You need to do some research as to the nature and history of memes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Maybe I need to write a paper on it. Right. Oh, my gosh. And so then where did you turn to whenever you would hit bumps in the road, aside from research and the internet? Sure. I think another thing that I learned through this season of of making a business, I'm not making a business, of Almanac. I've been writing making a business stuff. So making a business stuff is in my head. Um one other thing, which, okay, listeners, Making a Business is our podcast for retailers and makers. It's really taking all of the stuff that we're sharing here and applying it specifically to our maker and retail audience. So check that out wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website at beingboss.club. There you go. There you go. So um, as I've hit bumps in the road, one of the things that's really come to the forefront is how important to me community is. The people that I surround myself with, either like physically, like in Chattanooga, in my in the town that I live in, or the city that I live in, or online. And so it's you, and it's the team, and it's you know a wider group of bosses who you know knows what's been going on. Um, these people are showing up and buying from me. They're coming to pop-up shops. Um, it's also been connecting me with uh, suppliers and vendors and local businesses and really sort of expanding that network in a whole new way and sort of giving me that like that like fraudy feeling buster that I've got this and I can do this thing. Um, I've also been able to turn to people to help me find solutions and whether that was, you know, really, uh, really looking at what website platform to build the website on or, um, or sourcing things for sure, like going to people who have been doing this and being able to tap their brains. Um, and then also just lending an ear when things get hard because there have been some hard bumps in the road. Um, so being able to turn to my people to give me advice or to uh, to help me out as um, as those fraudy feelings overcome. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or whatever it may be has been has been really helpful. So it's again reiterated to me how important community is. And it's one of those things that I definitely have taken again for granted as I have become a, you know, decade-long business owner in indie shopography or reached, you know, almost 4 years here at being boss where my community for those for those businesses, like the really tight-knit community, like the people that I'm really talking to is like two, three, four people tops for each of those. But whenever you are just starting out business, you need to cast your net wide. You need to look far and wide for your people. You need to gain information from as many sources as possible, um, I think. And you can certainly put your head down and put your blinders on. And there are times for that. But I think there are also times for really reaching out. And because it's been so long since I've been in that phase of business, I had taken for granted how important that was. But I've really expanded my network a lot since since starting Almanac because it's a brand new business and I need to really tap a lot of people in my community to help make it happen. Yeah, and I don't even think about it as casting your net wide, but just reaching out more and showing up more in the places that you haven't shown up to in a while. And so I think about whenever I first started my business, I really just found like a handful of people, but then I hung on to them hard, you know, and I'm still reaching out to some of those people that I very first started hanging out with at different conferences and people that I was sharing a room with, you know, at different random places that I was traveling to. And the cool thing about that is that they're not just helping you, but you're helping them. And we're all in it together. And it really does create this economy of creatives um, that really support each other, like financially, emotionally. And I just think it's so cool. I think it's really cool to see that happen. And I don't know, especially like around, it's so funny because on making a business, we keep talking about Christmas time. <laughs> like our mantras, it's all about Christmas. Right. But even just like being able to support my community, like locally and shopping small and that sort of thing, or knowing exactly who to go to whenever someone asks me if I know a Shopify developer, you know, different things like that where, you know, these little bits and pieces of things that you don't know and you know exactly who to go to for the answer. It's a really cool thing. It is. I know. I just went on a huge tangent there, but I think that it's also kind of being discerning about tuning into like your people um and then staying in touch with them yeah yeah I definitely I definitely have been or have a renewed sense of importance around what that active engagement with community means and what it can mean for a small business especially one that's just starting up which really brings me to I think my biggest lesson of all and like all of this combined equates to a completely renewed compassion for the startup phases of small business owners like guys I feel you I'm totally feeling you and even and even as someone who's been in this for as long as I have, who's, you know, built businesses the way that I have, um, I still feel it. I st- so even th- feel free to take some comfort in knowing that like what you're feeling is not wrong. <laughs> it's not bad. And it's not a sign that you're doing it wrong. It's just what it feels like to start a business. And even to keep running a business. I don't know that the feeling ever goes away. It does get a little bit more comfortable, I would say, at two years and then again at five years. Mm -hmm. And that kind of longevity does tend to provide a certain amount of security. But then if you're constantly leveling up and being more boss, then you're always hitting new roadblocks. Absolutely. All right. What habits or routines did you have to implement in order to start a new business from scratch? Good question. Um, so I think, I think it started with revisiting the basics. So it was, it was restructuring my morning routine. For example, I started getting up early. I've really sort of embraced getting up early, um, this year, which is something that I've sort of danced with off and on for the past always, um, but it never really stuck with. But this year it's been something that have made a priority getting up early. So that's like six, Wait, like what time? Six, 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 yeah, six or six thirty. Um, 
And this Are is you setting an alarm. I did for a while. I did for in order to like just get my circadian rhythm into this place where I recognize that that was the time that I need to wake up, but I don't have to do that anymore. Um, and as if you guys have been listening to this for a long time, you'll know that I hate alarm clocks. I'm morally opposed to them. So that was like a big breaking my own rule in order to help me adjust to a new routine. Um, but I did it, and now I'm getting up naturally 6 and 6.30 every morning, or most mornings, maybe not always Saturday and Sunday. Um, but also, David and I usually end up talking shop. So in case you haven't gone to listen to the second season of Making a Business, um, whenever my business partner quit, it made David and I, my life partner, um, have a hardcore conversation about what was going to happen with Almanac. And I decided to bring David on as my new Almanac partner because I had no intentions of running Almanac by myself. I couldn't do that or I wouldn't do that. I probably could, but I'd have to stop all the other things in order to do it. So I brought on David. Um, so we live together. (laughs) We have a baby together. Um, and now our morning routine usually involves some aspect of talking shop. And that may be, you know, over tea and coffee in the morning, or maybe sometimes it's pillow talk um, or whatever it may be. But there's some some business talk that's happening in the morning. Um, I'm also making room in my daily and weekly work schedule to focus on Almanac as my side hustle, which is basically what it is. So that's usually it's usually an afternoon. I think I've found that being mostly my uh, mostly my jam is once all my other things are out of off my plate, I can focus on doing some Almanac things. Um, and then it's also added a layer to my. Oh wait, I have a question, oh, real quick. Yes. So one of the things that you used to do was a no meeting day. It used to be Thursdays. Do you feel like that's had to go by the wayside this year as you've been doing Almanac? It has for the has yes. I still try to keep one day free of meetings, but it has snuck or meetings have snuck onto that day more so this year than they have previously, and especially like as the year has gone on. Um I'm still I still try to keep one free, but, and honest, I don't even think that's an almanac problem. That's more like a travel problem. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm always like, there's always like a Friday that I need to take off because I need to go do something or, you know, we're taking off a week to go travel to Toronto or New Orleans or whatever. So like, I just need those extra days for meetings because I'm taking so many others day, so many other days off for non-meeting things. So I don't know if that's really an almanac issue so much as... Life is just full. <laughs> I will say that, like, the benefit of flexibility in work and life has, well, okay, so this summer, this last summer for me was a, more than ever before a summer filled with kids stuff. Like, Fox would have off for weeks at a time, it felt like, and just random days here and there and vacations and all the things. But it's forced me to also be more flexible in some of my boundaries. And again, coming back to that, breaking some of my own rules in order to accommodate all the flexibility that the rest of my work and life have afforded me. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely felt that a lot this year where I feel like a lot of my life and work has been restructured. Um, both like fitting something new into it, but also because I like to keep the flexibility of new opportunities or, you know, kid days at the aquarium or whatever. So that's meant that something that I used to hold or used to hold very fast and true, like my Thursday no meetings, has sort of gone by the wayside so that I can do some of the other things that I want to do. And I'm not mad about it by any means, um, especially when I get to, you know, jet set around the country for a couple of weeks or um, or take most Fridays off during the summer because that's what I did. I took most Fridays off to go hiking or to take little day trips and those sorts of things. And if I'm taking Friday off to be with my family, I don't mind having some meetings on Thursday so that I can do it. Okay, so I think that you're about to talk about your CEO day, which is something that we do. I mean, you do it once a month. I do it more like once a year. So what are your CEO days looking like? So these days, and my CEO day is a day that I sit down and I'm the CEO of my businesses, plural, because, uh, or on these days, I'm sitting down and I'm looking at all my numbers, so profit, income, 
expenses, um, all of those things, as well as any big projects that are coming up, what sort of is on the marketing calendar, what big, uh, what big tasks do that, you know, need to be managed and delegated or simply done, like really looking every month at how the business performed in the last month and what's coming in the pipeline for the month ahead. And um, I do use a lot of the tools that we have available in our CEO day kit. Um, I use all of them every single year. But then every month, I'm usually pulling out, especially that like marketing and revenue uh, worksheet. That's one of the ones that I pull out every single month. Um, and then I found myself checking in with my values <laughs> a whole lot over oh. the past year. Um, so now that I have Almanac, though, my CEO day, where I used to just sit down and look at being boss or, you know... Also, Indie Shopography, which I'm looking at that less now that we have offboarded our website clients. Um, I've now added the layer of looking at Almanac. So seeing, you know, how much money we made last month, what were our expenses, was, you know, money being spent anywhere that it shouldn't have been or where it could have been spent better. Um, and then what's coming down the pipeline. So for us, our new motto getting ready for Christmas, or it's all about Christmas, you know, really thinking about how it is that we can consistently be preparing for the busiest shopping season of the year. Um, so my CEO day has the added layer of Almanac now. And then are you doing those on the same day or do you do separate CEO days for being boss one and then Almanac one or do you just lump it all together? I lump it all together. So I pick one day where I can usually spend the morning doing being boss. So I'm looking over all of that because there's so much more that's going on and within that business. Um, I do that one and then I usually take my lunch and come back and look over Almanac and that one's usually consistently faster and easier because it's just David and I. I'm not really thinking about a whole team and a whole community and you know all of the projects. It's just... How many candles and crystals did we sell and when are we going to buy more? Um, so it's all on one day and then I try to take the day or the rest of the day off because by then my brain is usually pretty fried. All right. What else? Other than those things, my habits and routines have stayed more or less the same and it's because I've been so adamant about setting up my life thus far in a way that really supports lots of productivity. Um, so, and I just mentioned this a little bit. In the shopography, we offboarded all of our clients in April. So really, about the time that Almanac was really starting to build up, Indie was more or less going away. And we are doing some things at Indie now, like, you know, some speaking gigs and some masterminding and things like that. But those are relatively small a, a relatively small like area of my not like focus because I'm definitely focused on those when I'm focusing on those but um I don't know what's the word I'm it's like here. it's gig it's gig work that doesn't fit into being boss and it doesn't fit into almanac right it's kind of more of like a back end way well no not necessarily because no. you've got masterminding and it's kind of almost more like your personal brand right and so like it's just over there doing its thing I'm showing up I'm doing the work it's great um but pretty much as indie shopography though moral of the story as it was leaving Almanac was really gearing up so now it's not much different than it was when I was doing being boss and indie it's just now it's being boss and Almanac so I had a lot of habits and routines already in place I had a really strong foundation that I've just been able to grow other endeavors on top of. Um, one of the things that I have been focusing on a lot lately that I've learned from many years of doing this kind of work is the effort with which you start something is often the effort required to sustain it. Well, there's our quote for the episode. <laughs> right? And I've learned this too from like watching hundreds, thousands even of creative entrepreneurs who start a business, you know, all gung-ho, doing the thing, balls to the wall, if you will. And then they get it started and then they're burned out, but they still have to show up on that level in order to keep the business running. And I've been very, very mindful of not letting that happen. So even though there have been plenty of days where like 7 p.m. rolls around or we're putting Lily to bed and I'm thinking I could go in there and design some more things or write some more social or do all these things for Almanac that I'm not doing during the day because I'm working on being boss and I think, nope, I'm going to eat some ice cream and go to bed <laughs> or whatever it may be because I know that to sustain a business that you use that kind of energy to start 
you have to use that kind of energy or have some massive and probably painful transition somewhere along the way. So I've been really, really adamant about um, not driving too hard and fast, but instead focusing on this being a really fun and easy business to run. And that's really made me step back in ways where in other businesses that I've started to run, I've really gone at it with a different energy. And thus far, I'm happy with that decision. I probably could be growing Almanac faster. I could almost definitely be making more money. I could do all of these things, but I'm happy with that. And I think that's where we have to come back and look at our resources. We only have so much time, money, and energy. So if you had all the money in the world, you could hire all the help in the world. But also part of building this business was to have a new creatively fulfilling thing to do. So you don't want to just outsource all of it because you actually like doing it, right? Yes. And then there's time, you know, there's only so much time and then energy, of course, there's only so much time and energy that you can pour into something without it flipping on you and becoming a source of resentment or something that's just exhausting you or burning you out. Yeah. Right. And so, and I've kept all of those things in mind. And I also think of those very long term. Like I could hire it all out now, but then I'd probably hire it all out forever, which, and at some point I will hire things out. But at the moment, I am enjoying doing it and I don't want to spend all of my resources on that now. So it has been a, again, a very mindful go at business, unlike any I've ever started before, because I have all of this experience and insight in my pocket now that allows me to see the results of your actions this early in business. Mm. Okay, so at Braid Creative, whenever we're taking creative entrepreneurs through the Braid Method, we always ask them in this one exercise what their like inner inner whisper and outer shout is. So I want to go to your like inner whisper. And I'm, I'm shifting this a little from how we do it at Braid, but I want to like see at one year in, if you could go back and just almost like gently whisper something in Emily of a year ago in your ear, what would it be? I think, I think keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Keep it simple. And that's something I remember, I think I heard that whisper a year ago. I think I did because I remember, I remember deciding I was going to do this and then having all of the ideas as a creative does. And I remember thinking, nope, I got to pare it down. We're going to do candles. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to launch with 25 products, even though I really want to. We're going to launch with two candles and crystals, period. So I did a really good job of keeping it simple. Um, I think I probably should have kept it that simple a little longer. I'm not like mad about it by any means, um, or I haven't done anything that I regret by any means, but I still think that there are areas in which I could have kept it a little more simple. So, you know, it's been really, really easy for me to want to do all the things. Um, but I think I could have gotten more narrow. And then also, it's all about Christmas. <laughs> Because I so keep it simple, and it's all it's about Christmas. All, always about Christmas. Uh, and again, if you guys want to hear more about this new motto of ours, uh, feel free to go check out making a business because I talk about that a ton. Um, but I didn't really start thinking about Christmas until probably July, and I think that was too late. I think I probably could have and should have started thinking about it a little bit earlier, uh, immediately. Um, but I did. I did it. <laughs> okay, so Christmas. Yeah, go listen to Making a Business because here I want to talk a little bit more about being intentional about starting simple, but you said that you could have gotten more narrow. And I think that this is something that creative entrepreneurs are so afraid to do, but it can really launch the success of your business out the gate, the more narrow and concise and focused you are. So tell me more about that. Like in what ways could you have gotten more narrow? What have you done to course correct? I mean, are you, because I feel like whenever I think about Almanac, I think about candles and crystals, even though you have sold some other things like mushroom kits and birdhouses and books. So I still think you've done a good job as far as really staking your claim and what you want to be known for. 
um, and stayed narrow as far as the branding goes. But is there stuff on the business side or retail side that you would have stayed more narrow with? No, I again, I don't regret this decision by any means. But I think the big one being, you know, we started with crystals, candles and crystals, crystals and candles all day long. Um, But in spring, we decided to expand the offering or like the product line a little bit. We did the mushroom kits, the garden kits, those sorts of things. And again, I'm not mad about it because I think that it was important for us to further define the brand. But I think it also could have waited another season or two. So maybe not getting more narrow, but maybe staying narrow a little longer. Uh, And again, I don't regret it. If I were to go back, I probably would have kept it narrow longer and maybe like added those things like really when Christmas got here. But I I also I found the practice very reassuring um, because they sold like this idea that, you know, if I start with candles and crystals and then I add products later, will it make sense and will people buy them? It did make sense and people did buy them. So I did what I needed to do by doing it. But I think I could have done that just as well if I'd waited a little longer to do it. Okay, gotcha. All right, so now let's go to the outer shout. If you could get a megaphone and shout something from the rooftops, and this is so, this isn't your inner whisper to yourself. And for our listeners, I want you to do this for yourself too. Like think about what you would whisper to yourself whenever it comes to your brand and business vision and what it is that you're doing. But then also the thing that you want to shout from the rooftops, the thing that you want everybody to know about you and your business. And so Emily, a year in, what is it that you want everyone to really know about Almanac Supply Company or even just your mission and what it is that you're trying to do? Mm, another good question, Kathleen. If I had a megaphone, I would stand up on a rooftop and, man, this is going to sound so freaking cliche. I hope you're ready for it. Um, I'm ready. I think it would be around living and working with the seasons. This Oh, I just totally hit my microphone. I hope you get real excited. And I just flew do it again. my hands in the air when I said that and I hit my microphone. Um, and that is definitely like obviously the mission of what we're doing. But it's been something that's been further reiterated as I've shown up to do this work. So like, whoa, little meta, but true. Is that meta? I don't think that's the definite. You know what I mean? Anywho, um. Again, I think it's a little mirror in a mirror that your positioning is live and work with the seasons. And then you're also finding that to become more and more true for yourself in your own work and life. Yes. And as I've shown up for this business and how it is that you build a business, and this may go right back to it's all about Christmas and this idea of really thinking about your business and seasons. And I don't even think necessarily like sometimes I try to get really narrow with like, OK, there are four seasons in a year, spring, summer, winter, fall. I have to figure out which each of them mean and then do those things in that time or whatever it may be but I also think year one is a season so really looking at these like macro that's macro macro seasons of like these larger brush strokes that make up cycles you know what it makes me think about it makes me think about like what's in your orbit that exercise that we have in our book Mm -hmm. with like what you're surrounding yourself with but literally whenever you think about an orbit and the planets going around the sun The planets that are closer to the sun are going around faster. The planets that are further from the sun are going around slower. And I think that's reflected in our businesses as well. Like there are some things that are seasonally, I'm putting that in quotes, moving really fast and changing quickly. And there are some things that are, have like a longer trajectory and a longer shelf life. Yeah. I mean, think Mercury versus Neptune here, guys. (laughs) We want to go there. Where, (laughs) where, yes, it's, it's something that I totally, I totally feel happening. We're like, you know, my social media is like a daily cycle, basically, but really like starting a business are these year long strokes. Um, and, then also just really uncovering what happens in between. And I think what happens in between is Christmas. And it's the things that you're doing in order to prepare for something like that or get over something like that, whichever season you may find yourself in. Um, and I love that that lesson it really is what I'm trying to share. Like not even with all you business-minded folks, but with everyone, this idea that you can you can work, you can create, but you can live with the seasons in a way that has you showing up 
up and, you know, providing value or doing the work or finding fulfillment or whatever it may be um, with these like natural cyclical rhythms that can be, you know, nicely reminded to you. That's not the correct structure of that sentence by looking outside and seeing what's happening in nature. Um It's really what I'm here to do, but I'm continually learning that lesson so hard as well. Okay, so earlier you mentioned that you've been going back to your values worksheet from our CEO day kit, and I'm curious to hear how your values have really played into what you're creating at Almanac. Well, my values are, (laughs) hold on, I have to remember them. No, my values are freedom and creativity and respect has been one that's been coming up a lot for me. Um, And so freedom is one where, you know, the idea of freedom or the value of freedom is really one of the ones that plays into me not overdoing it, of not showing up balls to the wall doing all the things um, because I want to maintain freedom in my life um, and not give it away to starting up a new business. Um, So that one's really held true for for how it is that I show up and work. Um, you know, creativity is one where I am, I'm loving building this brand. I'm loving designing and curating these products. This is a place where I can really flex a creative muscle that I don't get to very often in um, in the other businesses that I have or have run. Um, so it's really fun for me to source and make products and make them beautiful and make them all beautiful together um, and all of these things. Um, So it's been really great to focus on that and to also very mindfully find joy in that because a lot of times, you know, designing a new label for something is just another task on my to-do list. So it's me sitting down and going, okay, Emily, today is dream job day. (laughs) Like, you get to sit down and design some cool shit. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Oh my gosh, this resonates with me so much. I was designing our zine for our NOLA vacation and I was like, oh, I got to sit down and do this. And then I opened it up and I was like, this is the, I I have the coolest job ever that I get to design a zine for a vacation that we get to take with our bosses. This is amazing. Right? So really tapping into that value, reminding myself that like I do find joy and fulfillment in this. Like this is important, even though it is a task on my to-do list, which a lot of people, including me, can feel kind of negatively about sometimes. Um, It's really helped me find joy in this process when I'd rather be, you know, in the garden doing something but I also feel like that ties into your value of respect a little bit like I I think of respect and I want to hear your take on it but like I think of respect as kind of seeing something and being seen you know and so seeing a task for what it is like I respect that this task is creative I respect that this task is administrative and it just needs to be done like so tell me more about respect and how that plays into Almanac. I haven't even thought about that, but that's genius. And I will accept that go. definition for <laughs> sure. But I think I think a lot in terms of building a responsible business um, and making sure that I'm respecting Mother Earth <laughs> in any way that I can, um, but also communicating that to others as well. Because I think that... Once people start living seasonally, they begin gaining some sort of respect for the planet because a connection is being made. And as that connection grows, the respect grows. And so that's something that I focus on a lot. Like, how is it that I can position and share content in this brand that helps people more efficiently and effectively gain that connection so that their own respect is then... um, is then grown or cultivated. But it also makes me think of, you know, making sure that we're not packing with environmentally unfriendly packing peanuts or whatever it may be. So it really has it really has informed a lot of our decisions in terms of what products we're producing, um, how it is that they are, we are mailing them to people, all of those things. So it's played into several aspects of the business. Um, I also feel like you super respect your audience. You're always asking them for feedback and what they're liking and also just even shipping things super quickly. I think that there's a lot of respect happening all around in your business. Yeah, I mean, it's 
It's not funny. It's fact that I love a good customer experience. Like if anyone would like to go to me or go with me to a couple of restaurants or like go shopping with me, I love a good shop or restaurant that just like crosses all the T's and dots all the I's and really gives a fantastic fantastic experience. Like I have great respect for the kinds of business owners that put that kind of attention to detail into what it is that they're offering to the world. And so that's it's funny, like, I think if I really get down to my, like, core reason for doing all of this, and especially one day turning it into a brick and mortar, it's to, like, make the kind of store that I most want to visit that really is, like, that that in flow with creating an amazing experience for my audience. So at the moment, that does mean making sure our packages are shipped out so tight and so fast that you guys are mind blown by that experience because that's all I can do at the moment. But you guys just wait one day. You guys just wait. (laughs) All right. On the more practical side of things, and then we'll wrap this up, what, um, what like tools or software has been really helpful in running a retail business. Well, I hate to be that asshole that goes into some self-promo, but CEO Day Kit, guys, <laughs> legit. I am printing out those worksheets all the time. As a new business, I find them so helpful. Um, and I know, because I still use them for being boss as well, that I will continue to find them useful. It's so important to sit down one day a month and just know what's happening in your business. And so CEO Day Kit gives me the tools and the guidance, even though I created the guidance, <laughs> to make sure that I'm looking at all the pieces of my business that I need to. So if you guys need some help, CEO Day Kit. But legit, I'm using it monthly. Um, and you can find that at www.beingboss.club. <laughs> true that. Or without <laughs> C- Kathleen's crazy W's, courses.beingboss.club. You just wanted to say www. <laughs> I did. I did. Okay, and then uh, we're also loving Shopify. So I know there's lots of chatter always going on about what website host should you use, all the things. Um, we're loving Shopify a ton. I could definitely see growing in that on that platform. One of my favorite things that they're not they're, even paying us. They're to say not that even. Too, I by wish the way. they would just email me back though. Legit. Shopify, please, please, right? Holler at us. We have people that listen to this podcast who need to know more about you, and I'm not going to continue talking about you. I'm just going to use you unless you would like to come hang out with us. Legit. <laughs> anyway, so I do love Shopify a ton. Um, I my most exciting favorite thing is that it. This is like one of those tech geek weird things, but it does cross, not even platform, cross place um, inventory control. So like I can have a pop-up shop and a website, and if I sell something at a pop-up shop, it goes off the website and vice versa. And as someone who's been working in websites for a decade, guys, that is some unique and beautiful functionality that makes growing a business so much more easy so that you're not having to consistently update um, inventory from your point of sale to your website. It just all goes okay, together. Wait. So if you're at a pop-up shop and someone buys a crystal on the website, do you get pinged and alerted? And what if someone's literally holding that crystal in their you hand? snatch that as- shit out. <laughs> I'm sorry, sold. sir. That's already been sold. sold. Right. I mean, I guess that could technically happen. But yes, um, I get little notifications every time I get a sell. Um, or I, I suppose if they were checking out, it would say, you know, no longer in stock as well. So like oh, I could physically okay. not do that. I have heard some things around like especially the craziness of, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, if lots of people are checking out literally at the same time that there can be some inventory issues, but that's any platform ever. It's that like point of sale physical and website side that just again, whenever I discovered that functionality, it's a functionality that I had been looking for in a decade of making websites for small business owners. It exists and it's oh, called there Shopify. You go. All right, what's making you feel most boss lately? Every time David's phone makes the money sound. <laughs> cha-ching! It is, it goes cha-ching. Um, because Shopify sends us those little notifications every time we make an order. 
I never have my phone ringer on, so it doesn't really, it's not my phone that's making the noise. Um, David has set the sound of that notification to cha-ching. Um, so we'll just be <laughs> hanging around in the house, and then David's phone from somewhere will go cha-ching, and we're like, money! <laughs> but what that really is, is someone has checked out on the Being Boss website, so we've made a sell. Someone has come over and gotten some candles or some rocks, and it's just, again, those little bitty pieces of proof that come show that what you're doing is wanted by other people. Um, so I feel super, super boss every time I hear the money sound. <laughs> All right. And where can our listeners follow Almanac? Almanac Supply Company, or excuse me, whoa, almanacsupplyco.com um, to come check out our website and shop. Or the only social media platform I at least at the moment am on is Instagram at Almanac Supply Co. And of course, you can follow the journey of Emily and Almanac over on our podcast called Making a Business. Our second season has launched. So go listen to that at our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, bosses, I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focused planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. If you're looking for more help in being boss of your work and life, come check out our website where you can find episode show notes, browse our archives, and access free resources like worksheets, trainings, quizzes, and more. It's all at www.beingboss.club. Do the work. Be boss.